to a right good tale. This week, we're not going to talk tall tales. We're not going to talk game producers. We're not going to talk musicians. We are going to be narcissistic motherfuckers and talk about ourselves. I'm Al, and as usual, I'm joined by Stu and Steve. Oh, I nearly said hello. And then... uh... Stu has special education needs, guys, in case you haven't noticed through our 20 episodes sen. so far. He's a, he's a Sen kid. Um, I actually was talking about Seen Kids the other day. Do you remember when Seen Kid was the term that was used? Yeah, and then it became emo, right? Yeah. Did it or did it go emo into Seen Kid? Well, I think it probably happened both ways, didn't it, in the clubs? What's a Seen Kid? Because where I'm from, if you, if you do any more than see a kid, you get in a little bit of trouble. No, a scene kid was like the the kids that were in the emo scene, I guess, wasn't it? So it was like yeah, yeah. a genre within a genre. <clears throat> Urban Dictionary tells us that uh, oh no, see, I, I love Urban Dictionary, but sometimes it Urban Dictionary tells us that munging is when you and one or more friends go to a graveyard. Yeah, isn't it? we've done that. Oh, um, right. No, scene kid is essentially it's saying here that um, a label of young people that has become more prominent in use over the past decade. Seeing kids usually age 14 to 21, sometimes younger or older. Essentially, it was the emo subculture. So it but was the, like the Paramore fans, right? Yeah, yeah. But the problem with the problem with like the scene kid as a term, according to dictionary, it means a young person who either took part in the scene subculture or who imitates such a style. Okay, so it was either the impersonators or the kids that were actually at the skate park smoking mm. weed. Okay, fine, I'm with you, right? Yep. Oh, according to according to like people also ask on google emo and scene are different all right emo is a subculture rooted in a particular genre of music hating your parents and self-harm whereas the scene wait so you hate parents and you hate self-harm or you hate your parents and you self-harm yeah that one and the scene culture was about the fashion and the style choices whereas emo culture was about the music so So the emo was all about the songs and the scene kids were all about the chuck taylor's do you remember? I'm sorry, Steve, go on. Well, when I was a failed musician, progressive junkie, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. 2018? Well, not long ago. The, the, the big thing was you had to be about the music, man. That was like every, everyone's live and die token, was you had to be about the music. There was no dressing up for the sake of it. You know, you had to be about the music, man. You had to understand the music. So how did that die out and just a bunch of posers become the norm? So I think it became more important to be aesthetically pleasing than to be a talented musician because something called auto-tune was invented. Mm. That's the one, right. Speaking of the old auto-tune, and I'm sorry, this is slander. It might be slander. But when we were talking about this, me and a couple of people from work were talking about the difference between emo and goth, and we got onto scene kid. Mm. And I said, do you remember when old um, Skrillex was king of the scene kids? Yeah, because Skrillex was in that band. Um, oh God, see, wasn't I've gotten it already. Wasn't Skrillex his own thing? Skrillex is his own thing, yeah. But he was once upon a time. He was in that band. He's uh, Sunny Moore. He he went by the name Sunny Moore back then, and he was in the band. And I have no interest in them, which is why I'm forgetting them. So I'm oh. filling time while I go to Google so to try and find. I, um, I can't believe that Ellie Goulding let her. Love from it. first to last yeah from first to last was the name yeah. of the band and they were like so for a long time Sonny Moore slash Skrillex was king of the scene kids yeah so where does Lost Profits fit into this because they were quite popular with the kids weren't they <laughs> they were yeah so 
He fit into a lot of places he shouldn't. The fake sense yeah. of progress. Do you think that was Ian from the Lost Prophets keeping trying to reform his ways? I don't think he's trying to reform anything, let's be honest. I, I read the transcripts of that. And, uh, the court well, it puts that Britney Spears song into perspective, doesn't it? Hit my baby one more time. Um, <laughs> I've got a pretty strong stomach and that, you know, and I like a good crime drama, mm. like horror movies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, same. I obviously write some interesting stuff, but even reading the court transcripts of the phone conversations to what Ian Watking was saying, even that made me feel squeamish. Oh yeah, Freddy, definitely. Like, Freddy idiots. Definitely wrong. We're, we're not going to repeat none of that here. Yeah. But, For any idiots listening to this, none of us condone the behaviour of that. No, no, no. Fucking For any um, we've made a couple of jokes about it. We joke about it. We do not yeah. agree with it. So fuck off. I feel sorry for the rest of the Lost Prophets because they didn't know. And like, can you imagine? They were quite a good band. I used to like yeah. them. Can you imagine being them? Like, they see an advert for a guitarist in a band and they go, oh, is it all right, wife? Yeah, I can do it. I finally feel able to go back in. Oh, what's your CV? Oh, nothing. What happened between like 1999 and 2011? Nothing. Were well, you the guy from the Lost Prophets? Yeah, you're not in. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> That's I feel really sorry for them. What well, a horrible man. I'm not familiar with a band because they were sort of coming along when I was going out and getting more into country. And they stuff. were like, uh, they're like Welsh um, screamo metal. Yeah, I'm aware mm. of them, but what happened to the actual members of the band then? Because obviously he went away and hopefully. So they just disbanded. Right, they go back to real work or? No, I think they were millionaires by then, so I think oh, they're just chilling. Get it? Disbanded. I haven't taken the time to, yeah, exactly, disbanded. Um, I've not taken the time to research them because I just couldn't be bothered. No, um, you don't want that on your Google search either, do you? Really? No, bro? exactly. I use Google Chrome for strange things. I'm going to Google, yeah. then I clear my history when I'm done. In case you have to go to PC World or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do. I do it in PC World on their free on <laughs> their computer. Yeah, no, I go to internet cafes under a pseudonym and type it in there. Yeah, much better. Uh, We're in the world, pedo world. We're laughing about pedophiles. <laughs> we, we really are, um, you know, postmodern, aren't we? I was thinking, like, having recently gone back to work after a long time in lockdown, do you think the world has really changed? Because I think it's just gone absolutely fucking weird. People, it's got worse. People have got worse. People are so bloody rude now, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I was talking, so I'm now working in an education facility. I was talking to an educator about the educate ease, and apparently, the, over the last year, they've lost far more than a modicum of respect for the educators. Mm. Mm. And it's just now the world is very much, um, oh, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it, kind of thing. Mm. It's yes. gotten bad. It's gotten really bad out there. I've heard that. So, anyway, gents, this episode is going to be a little bit of us touching on ourselves, not touching ourselves, sadly. Um, our OnlyFans is coming along, but none of us understand how to use a four-headed dildo yet. So we'll get there. But this is a little bit more about us. So I know when we were on our pilot, we had a quick chat about what we do and why we do it and a little small divulgence of our beings. But I thought it'd be time to go a little bit deeper. Because if anyone gives a fuck, it might be time for them to tune in and find out a bit more, right? Yeah. We've got like six people who regularly listen, and those six people might want to know a little bit more about us. Exactly. And those six people might tell their dogs, who might tell the people at the animal shelter when those six people commit suicide and the dogs are taken in. Plus, it's good for the FBI if they're listening to help build criminal profiles on the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think, have you heard today MI5 have made their own Instagram account so they can be more transparent? 
I remember in the olden days watching James Bond when I was a very young man. And I remember then when I was about 15 years old, finding out that MI5 and MI6 were actually real and the building they use in James Bond is their actual building. Yeah. And I remember thinking, obviously, they don't do what they do in Spooks and James Bond and things like that. But are they the best spies in the world? By like telling everyone, yes, yeah, this is where we work. This is what we do. Is that the best spy in the world? Because well, no think one's going to believe it, are they? Because it's, yeah, like you say, it's literally like the absolute double bluff. Mm. I'm very brazen about it. See, I actually yeah. applied for a job at um, MI5. Uh, for just for basic security, not not like an assassin one, I think. <laughs> um, I told my boss about it and said, "Well, have you heard anything back?" And I said, "Thing is, they're that secretive. I may have even had the interview and not even know it." Yeah, exactly. They interview mm. in the night while you're asleep. Exactly. Got me on to thinking though. So you know, MI5 now have Instagram. I think the next thing to happen is the CIA are going to have TikTok and they're going to twerk their way in and out of crime scenes and things like that, and it's all going to get a little bit vulgar. Well, they have Instagram, so they can like they can like doing selfies and yeah, they're gonna have like Instagram live, like shooting the perp and things like that, and <laughs> rock paper scissors for who gets to arrest this guy, and yeah, I think it's gonna be great. Wow, I hope they get some good hits. I think they will definitely. They've oh, had some good hits in the past. They have had some mm. very good hits in the past. <laughs> so, to our FBI, CIA, MI five agent listening, um, get us all a nice big government job. There, there is literally no depths that we will not plunge yeah. to. For I want to be in so, for you. Yeah, I will have against these two bricks. <laughs> there is nothing I won't do for that sweet, sweet blood money. Trust me. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, no atrocity I, think... I won't commit. <laughs> Shall we start with Stu? And I want to hear what Stu has been up to since we started the podcast. Same as everyone else sitting at <laughs> what, fucking home, masturbating into the fourth tissue of the day and crying about how you haven't I, been. I, I, I have I have delved into categories I did not know existed. You know, such mm. is my endless quest. No, I'm still plugging away trying to sell the book. You know, um, yeah, because everyone listening to this, unless they've been living in a country like North Korea will know what's happened in this world and all of us it's probably going to be quite a common theme so we might have to tailor our questions accordingly because otherwise we'll all say the same thing yeah everything for the past year has stopped pretty much no one's doing anything no one's spending anything no one's buying anything true that's not true but But, i think it's quite interesting to see what we've all been doing to keep our individual wheels turning Mm. yeah yeah well i mean i've i've been working I think we all, obviously, all of us have still been working. Mm-hmm. Um, this lucky. isn't our full-time job, and we're, we're lucky to still work. Um, I've started writing my second book, which I know sounds silly because I haven't even sold the first one yet. But well, not really, because when you go to them with book it. one, they say, "Do you have a future for the series?" And you go, "Well, yeah, here it is." Yeah, I've got the full plan. I've got a screenplay. I've actually quarter written the screenplay actually, and it's actually quite fun writing a screenplay as opposed to writing. Uh, what me and Steve have written, you know, a, a narrative novel, as it was. Because yeah. when you write the screenplay, you sort of you're, you're seeing it like a movie in your head. And it, at first, I admit, I remember thinking this is going to be a streak of piss because all I do is I just go through my book, rip the dialogue out, mm-hmm. and just put just put speaker 
and then type the dialogue and say this is what the speaker said but actually no because you've got to think about staging you've got to think about so you've decided to write the speaker from the house of lords into the book have you yes is it still that one whose wife shamed him by going on to celebrity big brother i I think he's left now hasn't he the guy he was that was the silver fox one right sally burko was her name yeah no no he's left now oh john John burko wasn't it oh fuck's sake that's the whole book ruined (laughs) (laughs) you don't find it strange though you know well not strange but sort of jarring and very frustrating and even somewhat belittling that you, you you do something you write a book which is a long and arduous process and isn't something you can just knock one out knock out in a minute you know you no. have to really graft away at it and really have to think stuff out and really have to grind away yeah and you get very little back in attention but you can go on sort of like twitch and see a good looking girl with half her tits hanging out playing a video game and get endorsement deals and sponsorship and money just thrown at her yeah does that not frustrate that drives me crazy at times it does and and i did i i had a really difficult time about four weeks ago because and do you know what everyone is allowed to get envious and everyone is allowed to get frustrated at times oh yeah it's, definitely it's, a, it's, it's an emotion great. it's a human emotion and if anyone tells you that you know you have to be supportive of everyone at all times that's not true because no. sometimes but as, as you said steve it took me ages to write that book through a period of time in my yeah. life where i was struggling to stand up because of a slip disc in my back so it wasn't easy no. and I know what I've written because I've reread it about 500 times and it's better than I turn around behind me and I've got a bookshelf full of maybe two, 300 books. It's better than most of the books on that shelf. It's better than, and I'm not going to name names. It's better than a couple of um, people who have big TV adaptions starring Damien Lewis as Thomas Cromwell uh, was it Thomas Cromwell one of them um, you know it, yeah, it's better it than that book it's better than I'm looking at a book right in front of me now it's better than that book and I know it's good and arrogance again is a human emotion that's fine are you get... my book when you say that it's better than that. but is it better yeah I'm looking at my bookshelf and I've got Down the Lane by Paul Lafferty and I've got Really <laughs> Dallas by Stevie Pearson no they're, they're both very very good books uh, and then next to it I've got I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes like an awful book, shit book. Yeah, shit book. And then I've got um, Agincourt by Bernard Cornwell, which is a fucking excellent book. That's an excellent, that is an excellent book. About an archer. Yeah, do you know what? The Agincourt, um, Bernard Cornwell writes one type of book for our, for our uninitiated uh, listeners who don't know Bernard Cornwall. He writes sharp, but he sometimes writes sharp in different time periods and changes the name. Yeah, sometimes he writes French sharp. <laughs> yeah, this guy, what's <laughs> his name? Frapp. I it's can't Thomas, remember his name. <laughs> it's Thomas, Thomas, he's a lord, isn't he? Lord Thomas something in the in the Argentcourt ones. Yeah. And, and there's loads of good ones. And he did the Star, Star something Chronicles set in the American Civil War, which are very good, but they're also just sharp. And then he did the Last Kingdom, which is also just Anglo-Saxon sharp. So it's Oh, he did, but Ber- that is him, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's Bernard Cornwall. Oh, I, that's literally one of the best things I watched on Netflix during lockdown. Really? Well, what about, well, um, has anyone read K- Kominsky Heights by Lionel Davidson? Hey, we were so, talking about me, not Lionel Davidson. So I know what I've got, <laughs> right? And I know that it's good, but it's yeah. frustrating when people don't even get back to me. 
you know, yeah. or, or there was one particular one that come back and, and the crosshairs are definitely coming on me when I say this. One particular agent came back to me and they said, we only want to work with female voices at the moment. Yeah, but that's not mm. that's not on you and you shouldn't be slighted or um, no, I wasn't. vilified I was for just that really by our audience. What I'm saying is that is on them. So they mm. are now being elitist and exclusive. Exclusive. So I had a similar thing about five years back where one guy said to me, uh, well, gee, we really like your book, Steve, but could you take the wrestling out of it? I thought, well, yeah, okay, sure. Can you take the fucking pirates out of Treasure Island? I mean, what the fuck? Come on. You should, you, have just got, you should have just gone back to them with the book, with everything to do with wrestling taken out of it and see if they were true to their word. Mm. But I, just, I, just, I just think, well, hang on. It's, I, 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 I write them a long and lengthy email explaining why I wasn't prepared to do that and why I thought it was a good idea not to do that. And I asked for a suggestion of what I should put it as instead. And they said, um, well, if you take it out, you could easily turn it into mafia fiction. And there's like a billion mafia fiction books mm. out there. But right, well, and I said, to them, I said, I'm going to be swimming against the tide if I do that because there's a billion different books out there about the mafia. Mm. Then they stopped getting back to me. So I was like, oh, okay. is, though, if they'd have then taken the chance on it, well, there you they, go. Yeah. we just don't know what would have happened. And they could have had an absolute killer on their hands, couldn't they? So Absolutely. Hey, my, 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 mine is, well, Steve's is an investment because the wrestling world, as we know, is only getting bigger as yeah. some of the big stars no, exactly. of the business are branching out. I mean, John Cena is going down the, um, the rock path now. The yeah. rock is arguably the most powerful actor in America. Right He's now. the most successful person yeah. in America at the moment, pretty much. Yeah, this guy's probably going to run for president. And this guy was made in that squared circle whether whether people whether people believe it or not that's where that guy was made we are going to have the rock versus kanye for president in 2026 or whatever aren't we god jesus thank god we're not american um (laughs) but like it got frustrating because i see other people succeeding and you're allowed to be frustrated not because i'm angry at them succeeding but because i'm sad that mine isn't succeeding yeah. because i know yeah. it's good and with the rumored marco robbie pirates of the caribbean remake what? people are want to yeah people are going to want to get on that pirate gravy train and oh, i've got a fantastic that. book ready to go you know to jump on that and i'm adapting the screenplay for these people what war do they want uh, i think the thing is though what you've just said you do have to remember that everyone you haven't mentioned but have alluded to probably went through the same, if not worse, because you are unique in the fact, you both are in fact, that you both do still have very good, very stable jobs behind you whilst you are following your dreams. There is that. That's true. Being but Commander we General. We don't, we don't want to do those jobs. We just want to follow our dreams. No, I know, but imagine yeah. J.K. <laughs> Rowling sitting in somewhere in, in Edinburgh with like five pounds to support her and her mm. little girl for the week and desperately writing this. She was always money and like that's I know such she a fabrication. up to the eyeballs with cum money, but at the same time... Yeah, Edinburgh's cheap to live in, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, it was. I, I bought you I bought by location last night and Edinburgh is, seems more expensive than my part of London. Bloody hell. Things have changed. Yeah, I know. It's almost like it's... We've got all that islands there. You could build flats on that easy. Yeah, that's what they should do. They should just fucking build a <laughs> massive ski lift and put all the cunts up on the top of the hill, shouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> as long as they stay up there and not down here in the south, we'll yeah, all get on fine. fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm um, from Scotland, so that's not like Scottish racism or anything. Yeah, I've got a quarter Scottish in me right now, actually. I oh. think that... Yes, but you, you mentioned the Edinburgh-London thing. All I have to do now is is quote the immortal Alan Partridge when he says, 
Go to London. I guarantee you'll either be mugged or not appreciated. Catch the train to London, stopping at rejection, disappointment, backstabbing central and shattered dreams parkway. He's, he's very much right. I think the mugging thing, it depends on um, A, how stupid you are and where you go in the wrong times of day. And B, just your general um, self-awareness. But I would get, I would get mugged in London. I look like a malnourished Kratos right now. <laughs> the, so the, I... <laughs> the underappreciation thing is right. You like I get on the tube to go into I don't know wherever I'm off to, and literally no cunt looks at you. And if they do look at you, it's because you've they've accidentally caught you trying to have a human interaction with them, and they want How to has... kill you. How has London been changed by the lockdown? Because once upon a time, Alan Partridge wasn't wrong. It was it wasn't. Yeah, a nice no. Place, so initially, was it? it was like a ghost town. But now, so a couple of weeks, no, four or five weeks back, I went for like a walk through like the embankment, like back over the other side to, um, uh, wherever they film first dates. Where's that Saint? Not Saint Pancras. Somewhere nice. Somewhere nice, right? Chelsea or something, isn't it? No, it's in. It was off the embankment, but off the other side, towards back into the towards city. backstabbing central. Yeah, towards backstab alley, um, and people were so happy to be out and about that people were smiling and walking through like Borough Market and places. People are still interacting to an extent, or they were interacting through this sort of foreskin across our faces. We're still happy to be out, and I think there's a little bit more of it, but I don't get me wrong as soon as we're back to whatever normal is and i'm air quoting right now um everyone's back to being a cunt including me mm. Mm. it's it's sad isn't it yeah it is but at the same time like I, I don't know whether it's just i'm alone here but like i don't really like other people that much no i, I work uh i i do security in a government building called a job center and some of the people that come in there They've got troubles and stuff, I understand that, but they're so bloody rude. Yeah. So unpleasant and so off-putting, and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. I know you're broken all, but it's not our fault. I mean, there's, there's little things, like, so on this on this walk, I went just sort of, I found a YouTube um, photographer I really liked, and I sort of copied one of his routes to go and try and, like, imitate his style, and you bump into a few other photographers on the way and like you have you do have nice human chats with people. But I find it's more so the creatives that will stop and talk to each other or say, oh, like lovely camera or like I love your trainers or whatever. But the majority of people you walk past that are working, fair enough, they're probably all in huge stress jobs and they just want to get on with it. But they just head down out of the way. Fuck you. Bye. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But at the same time, I, I get it. Well, I think it's the thing. If you didn't have to talk to the people you worked with, would you say anything to them? No. That's the question I always ask myself. But the thing is, the people I work with are much younger than me and depend on me for their brains to be nourished. So I think I'd have to talk to them either way. Well, that's true. But but I look at it and think I work mainly with civil servants. and um, Yeah. I don't oh, want to yeah. turn nasty or anything, but some of them are... I don't know, it's people, people with money seem to have a bit of a, an attitude, I find. Anyway. It takes a certain type as well, doesn't it, to be a civil servant or to be a like a council employee, I find. Yeah. It's very much the people that were sort of middle ground of life at school. They weren't the popular kid. They weren't the hated kid. They were the kid that sat on the fence, but it got them through. Mm, kind of, yeah. Uh, bear in mind, some of the ones I work with have a lot of money. And uh, in my experience, you don't get a lot of money 
without being a bit nasty and a bit sort of snotty. That's you're... the thing. And there's a lot of people in jobs like that. That, like you say, they've got a lot of money and they don't need those jobs. No. And, and the people that do need them are being well, they're falling by the wayside, aren't they? So there we yeah, are. it's, it's uh, from a sociological standpoint, my my job is actually fascinating. You know, just mm. sort of people coming in on the breadline, talking to people who have got money coming out of their ears. That's the thing. And like, you know, from my experience, so like when I was between jobs during lockdown, I was on universal credit for a portion of time. Yeah. And there was a couple of sessions I had to go in and meet someone and talk about what I'm doing. And they, they know someone like me. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to do. I just currently can't do what I want to do, but they have the faith in you that you're just going to do what they ask and you're going to find a job. And I did, and it was fine. And I've moved on. But I was in there one day and there's a guy came in off the street and he was like, oh, I've been kicked out of my like halfway house. I've got no money, no phone. Um, I need like a pre-loan or whatever it is called to go and go to a and b or whatever. And he was just like expecting it to happen then there and then and the woman was like no we can make you an appointment to come back later today and he starts like wildly kicking off like i'm here now fucking sort it i'm i'm fucked and the next minute the camp pulls an iphone 12 pro max out of his pocket and starts scrolling <laughs> through tiktok <laughs> and i'm like right so and i'm thinking i'm really glad that i'm actually not having to be one of these sort of horrible people that probably doesn't really need it it's like back in the day do you remember Stu, when we worked in um Ipswich Town Centre, and mm. you'd see the people selling the big issue with their Rolexes on. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's um, on a scab. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, we're, we're all just, you know, all the world's a stage, darling. And I mean, the government doesn't know about my OnlyFans, does it? So fuck them. <laughs> I'm declaring mine. Mm. I'm not declaring mine, you know, cash in hand. Yeah, mine is cash in hand and then jerk yourself off with it into the tenor and move away. And... But but can, can you... Can you can you get anywhere in life by being honest and by being frank and by being decent? I don't think you really can. I think I think everyone's got to have a slight. Um, what's that? Th you know when you put your eye up to a prism in the light and there's small refractions of things you see. A kaleidoscope. Yeah. So everyone has like a different refraction of themselves mm. depending on what part of the light they want to fit into. And I think there's nothing wrong with that because everyone has to be adaptable and versatile, but there's a lot of people that just completely rechange everything about themselves to get in somewhere. Mm. And then they get this position. It turns out they're not suitable or they are not even capable. And the people that are very capable are interviewed for the job or not even interviewed mm. because they haven't written the right buzzwords mm. on their CV. It's not even CV, right? And it's um, most jobs these days uh, on most. I work in job centers. They tell us all the time. Most jobs these days are all online. But what they don't mm. tell you is most jobs online are algorithm based. Yep. So it's the you, same if, as Instagram. You have to go from perspective of you are the the meat and you want someone to eat you. Exactly. Mm. But if you don't get those right algorithms in on an application, then you. Just oh yeah, definitely. You know, we were talking the other weeks to you about how the um, LinkedIn Quick Apply. Yes, yes. It yeah. uses like the buzzwords from your CV, and it like pulls a personal statement out of your CV. Have you ever taken the time to read the personal statement it makes sometimes? Because half the time it doesn't even make sense. It's just literally filling boxes with words that the employers have selected they want to see on CVs. I've edited. I've edited it a couple of times. Mm. Yeah. I, I got one back from Link. Um, uh, you get a similar thing on Indeed, 
I got yeah. a saving back from Indeed the other day, and they basically found the exact job that's perfect for me, and it's the job I've already got. Yeah. Thought, <laughs> <laughs> what did I, I have? Want the job I've already got. That's for applying for other jobs. A couple <laughs> of months ago, I had a message from like um like a get into teach thing about like a year for um music and arts teacher and they were like we've seen your cv on um linkedin or wherever can you send us like your list of experiences and like what you're currently doing that proves you're able to fulfill the role i do it and then they go all through this motion with you and then they go oh that one buzzword we were looking for isn't on your cv so bye (laughs) i'm like okay so i'm not qualified and they're like oh you are but you know like the 21 year old straight out of uni that's like thotted their way in and we can play three grand a year less to is way more suitable. So bye. Mm. <sighs> it's it's been... cruel, isn't it? That's what it is. And I'm not saying that thought is a correct word to use to these people because, but I do find that in a lot of workplaces, they want the, the cheapest meat to mold. Mm. They don't want anyone with an opinion or any self-belief. <laughs> Tell you about that. Do you know what? Um, I watched earlier on, and hopefully you guys have seen it, because then hopefully you'll know what I'm trying to say. Earlier on, I watched 310 to Humour again. Um, the Russell Crowe, Christian Bale one. Um, I watched it, and I was about 10 minutes in, and I went, Russell Crowe, Australian mega fighter Russell Crowe, mm-hmm. playing Ben Wade, he's playing Dutch van der Lint. Yeah, in this film, down down to the hat that he wears, the hat What's is the even called Dutch again. Three ten to humor, right? Yeah. That the hat oh, is Dutch's hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Christian Bale, Batman, is is Dan Evans in oh, the wow, film. Wow, he actually is the hero. He all right. He wasn't Arthur Morgan, mm. although he kind of had Arthur Morgan's morality. But his clothing was Arthur Morgan, the jacket. The hat. Yeah, it's Arthur then, Morgan's like summer jacket. Yeah. And then um it was Charlie, Charlie, Charlie was the second in command of, of Russell Crowe, played by Ben Foster. He was Micah, right? Yeah. He was the, he was the crazy second in command. He had and the, then you know the crazy English guy. Which in, crazy English guy? In Red Dead, the posh guy that used to lead you on like wild goose chases and you just find him drunk places. Yes, yes, yes. He, if you look at the photo of them all together in front of the mountains, where it's the guy on the far left next to Russell Crowe's number two, mm. he's exactly him. And it was really interesting because Russell Crowe's number two, he's got the white double-rested jacket. He's mm. the crazy second in command. He was he was Micah. And I was watching it and I thought, I wonder if Rockstar did base those three characters, not so much with Christian Bale, or their personality, but the look of, of Arthur Morgan, the, the summer jacket and stuff, was definitely mm. Christian Bale in that film. But Dutch van der Lind was 100% Ben Wade from 310 to Yuma, charismatic, learned, the way he spoke, the way he kind of inspired people, the bloody hat, for goodness sake. Mm. And well, They have form, because um, did you ever see the Clint Eastwood film, The Outlaw Josie Wales? Yes, yeah. Well, there's a character in that called Carpetbagger, who's literally Nigel West Dickens from the first game. Uh-huh. Oh, I've, I've been watching I'm a really lot of getting into cowboy things, like you say, Stu. I think it's high time we did a Wild West delve. 
yeah. I've been watching a lot more lately because mm. I, I I rewatched Tombstone with you know Val Kilmer and and what's the one with like... the guy where he goes round and he's got the air canister and he just holds the ball bearing thing to people's that heads is, and blasts uh, them out. No Country for Old Men, the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, I think that is the best western. Oh, Not no. the hotels in America, but the absolute. <laughs> It's best. Written by my, written by my, one of my favourite authors, Cormac McCarthy, and uh, the book is. It's it's one of these things. Um, it, it's quite I'm quite queer when it comes to authors because um, you can get some authors that 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 are really good to the point where you sit and think I have no business even owning a typewriter, much less trying to write a book. Yeah, because this guy is that good. He's one of them. You also get some authors that you sit and think, you know what, this is good, but I could probably do something similar. And Cormac McCarthy's on those ones that just just borders on both for me. Mm. Oh, so speaking of westerns and sort of the best, I've recently found on Spotify a gentleman by the name of Coulter Wall, who I thought was probably in his 70s. He sounds like Johnny Cash, but Johnny Cash that's been living inside a cactus for 50 years. Um, turns out he's 24. Um, and I would encourage you both to have a listen to him so we can discuss him in our Western episode because he is currently, in my mind, the best country and Western singer on the planet. And there's a song send, he's done called Kate his name McKinnon. Again. What, is in Kate McKinnon from SNL? No. No, it's Kate McCannon, sorry. Let me send it <laughs> I was going to say Kate McKinnon. I was like, Cold, I, I, uh, I love Kate McKinnon. Oh. She's fantastic. But so his, his song called Kate McKinnon... It starts off, it's like an old murder song, yeah? So it mm. starts off describing him meeting her father while he's working in the mines, and then eventually he's introduced to her. They fall in love, get married, get a house on the prairie together, and then one day he comes home from the mines and she's not there. So he goes back to the place he first met her, where he saw her bathing in the, the creek, and she's with someone else. So he murders her. But it huh. sounds so simple, but it's like the best song and the best Western representation of just what it was like to be then, and in some cases now, that I've ever heard. We Send him over. We, we definitely need to cover a Western one, I think. Yeah. Because it's the strangest one, because I, I um, my mother was, my mum was into Westerns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's always into these Western movies, and I'd always watched all the old, you know, Clint Eastwood ones, and the old John Wayne ones and stuff. So I remember downloading Deadwood. For her, thinking, my mum will love that. It's got cowboys in it, you know. It's yeah, yeah. And she watched one episode. And said, "I don't like this. It's too rude." And I was like, oh, okay. too rude. Uh, to be fair, a lot of it was very clean, wasn't it? Well, the, the language I think was really what put her off because it's just endless, endless usage of the word cocksucker. Yeah, and, um, it's like okay. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll give it a look. Is that still on Netflix, by the way? I don't have Netflix, but it might be. I think it's HBO. Oh. But oh, I'm probably not then. Yeah, okay. I, I got I got really into it a while back, and I, I must have done it. I just done the Sopranos for the sixth time recently, and I'm thinking I definitely want to do Deadwood again. Is it Deadwood? Time it was it was just incredible. Yeah, do, it, is it crazy to anyone else? I probably is to the both of you actually. Um, that it's Lovejoy. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um... So, Stu, I know you can probably give us the most succinct explanation of Lovejoy for the listeners. Don't. Don't do this because I've not watched Lovejoy in about 
But what was Lovejoy? He was was he a detective or was he, he like was a, he was a detective? Yeah. He was an antiques dealer, wasn't he? Yes, oh, he was an antiques was. dealer yeah. in like this sleepy little Cotswold town in the UK, and somehow he became like this huge sex icon, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was an antiques dealer. Was he a detective? I remember there was always murders in the show, and there's always like stolen fake. No, but he was like that sort of non-police officer helping the police wasn't he so because he was the yeah. antiques dealer he was always at the murder scene when it happened <laughs> he, he was that guy that would never be allowed anywhere near a crime scene in real life but i know you'd see him go oh it was you straight away because he's like the absolute like mm. nonciest looking bastard you've ever seen um <laughs> but then he goes and plays this like incredible cowboy villain doesn't he like absolutely like incredible and it's just, I think, like the diversity of some actors. Actually, speaking of this, who can think of another actor that you initially thought of as one type of role and then they completely came out of nowhere as something else and just smashed it? Oh. Well, when, when I was a kid, back in the days when, you know... Let me take it. The, the, the VHS, the 80s. brand new thing, back in the 80s when life mattered. Um, <laughs> I was... Guns and Roses. I was goddamn terrified of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, mainly because my parents may allowed me to watch the films when I was way too young to know what was going on. When you like three, I was I was five when I first saw oh, fuck my dog, and it was like you know, it was like you know, my mum was like, my mum was like, uh, shouldn't he leave the room? My dad's like, oh, he knows it's not real. And it's like you don't at five. Everything's real at five. You know, Transformers no. are real at five. Every single thing is real when you're five years old, and that's the greatest thing ever. But not on Elm Street when you're five. Being real is bloody terrifying. And um, Robert England. Uh, who's a, who was a lovely, lovely actor by all accounts? Um, absolutely scared me fucking shitless when watching that. <laughs> yeah. But there was also a lovely show in the eighties called V, V for Victory, where um, which was based, which is like a David Icke wet dream essentially, because um, a, alien uh, alien reptiles from the planet Sirius come to Earth to um, harvest humans and steal all our water for some reason. I think they just got a bit thirsty. Yeah, and um, one of the nice reptile, or one, the nice like lizard reptile alien, who was like um, the one who was part of like the alien resistance who wanted to befriend humanity, was played by the same actor, was played by Robert England. And so, bear in mind, as a kid, that 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 must have had me pretty mentally conflicted to think that someone could play such a nice and friendly sort of sincere alien, and then like a child molesting sort of you know uh, knife glove psychopath who attacks mm. you in your dreams. Yeah. yeah. Stu, have you got anyone? I I don't know because it's always difficult, isn't it? Because you, you tend to have a favourite actor or you tend to have an actor who you like and you're not necessarily... Well, I certainly don't. I, I don't watch actors I like in films I know I'm not going to like because what's the point? I'm not yeah, a, true. I was a stan. That, Are they called um... stans? You know, people who just kind of love something and stick with it. Yeah. Um, I That's not for me. But, it, you know, I watch things that I enjoy, and if there's actors in it I like, then that's great. I've been watching, or I've recently caught up with, because it all depends on when this is released, I caught up with episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, and Is it actually worthwhile? Yeah, it's really good. And, and, this is why I'm coming to it. Sebastian Stan in that, James Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, White Wolf, James, whatever you want to call him. Um, he's been really good because I, oh God, last week I, I watched Captain America 2 and then Civil War. 
Mm-hmm. And in Captain America 2, Sebastian Stan's playing the baddie, essentially, the, the cold-blooded assassin. And then he's a little bit more, he's got a little bit more to say and do in Captain America Civil War. But then in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he's really been exploring a proper character. And that's been quite fun to watch. I'm not going to go all theatre on us and sort of, oh, it's no. lovely watching him tread the boards and show real emotion and raw emotion, because I, I don't know what that means. But it's really interesting to watch him play an action character, essentially. You know, he, he's meant to be a an action superhero, but he's actually, there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of character moments. And that's been quite nice to watch, quite refreshing. Yeah, I would say mine is definitely to a lesser extent. But for me... Um, having been obsessed with Game of Thrones for a while and always having loved what Pedro Pascal had done or Pedro Pascal, however you want to pronounce it, you bastards. Pedro Pascal. Um, For me to see him come into Game of Thrones and to be so amazing, not just in the fight scene with the mountain, but in everything and in the way that he was just so blasé about fucking his sister and all these sorts of things. To then go and see him be cast in The Mandalorian and be this straight edge by the book, this is the way kind of thing and really make you believe that this guy is the most hard-backed like rule follower you ever imagined. And to go from, fair enough, someone who in Game of Thrones is to a certain extent a bit of a cowboy, he's a bit of a bad boy, but we all know the Mandalorian is just cowboys in space. Yeah. But the, the transition for me and just the way he, I think the versatility he has to go from one thing to another. And even within the Mandalorian, when he takes the helmet off and we know him as now Jin, it's just so well done. And he's got so many leaves to his book. And I just think it's really impressive. How do you think he's going to fare in The Last of Us TV adaptation? Badly, because he looks nothing like Joel. You don't have to look like a character, though, do you? Like, but, well, she doesn't look. Well, anything I think like when it comes from a game, you do, because the art is defined and ready and set. But mm. she, the girl, doesn't look anything like Ellie either. Well, no, yeah, true. So that could be the saving grace. I think. I think when if you were to take out the aesthetic, mm. he's going to fucking kill it because he's Pedro Pascal. But if you take into account what we already expect from it and how emotionally retarded we all became during The Last of Us 2 when they killed Joel with a fucking golf club. Yeah. I just want to see it done well. And if they do it well, then great. But thankfully, there's going to be a couple years until we um, are able to see it and we all might well have calmed down by then. <laughs> These Last of Us fans, some of them are crazy. I mean, I've got to admit, like, I still can't buy a cunt in PS5. No, and no I see it every day PlayStation 5 drop news on Twitter tweets me and goes, they're in Walmart. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not. And then oh. I see this thing. Did you see the other day how Game had put live pre-orders on their website again? Mm. And everyone goes and pre-orders. And then the, as soon as they pre-order, Game email them and say, oh, yeah, it's coming in two months. <laughs> I've, not, I've not even bothered. I, no, I've, I must admit, I've given up. I've gone onto the e-store on my Switch the other day and I've gone, what are all the amazing indie games that came out years ago or are now still coming out? So things like fucking Hades and Bastion and 
I found a little game called Littlewood, which is like Animal mm. Crossing for people that like that kind of thing, but don't want to spend 50 quid on a Nintendo-made corrupt piece of bullshit. Um, and I've just kind of gone the opposite way in gaming. I'm not worried about the sort of edge bleeding, or bleeding edge, sorry, um, next-gen graphics. I want games that I'm going to be locked into and just something that I'm addicted to for the next 150 hours. Mm. That's all you can ask for in a game, isn't it? Sony yeah. have hurt my feelings. I think that's what I love about the Hitman, Hitman games for me. Yeah, like, oh, I've, fuck, man. The, the latest one. You've played I've, the latest one now, yeah? I've not completed it yet. I've just left the ICA contracts building. Oh, fine. So I've, all I've seen is the initial Dubai missions when it first came out, and I watched, um, I think, is it Hollow, the guy that used to be the Call of Duty streamer, and he now just plays, like, Let's Plays a little bit early. And I watched him play it, and I was just like, yeah, love it. I haven't yet got it myself because I'm waiting for it to probably go onto Game Pass on Xbox. Um, but yeah, the Hitman games, they've so, always had the same vibe. And I don't know if you have you ever played the ones like the really sort of broken down ones on the on the phone? No, I never got the phone. I'm never I'm not a big phone gaming person. I, I like to no, I think I'll tell you that, you know, and go on with it. I agree. Like to to me, any game that I think is good and they put it onto mobile, eventually I know they're going to put it on Switch. So I'm just going to play it on there instead because it's actually a console. Yeah. So I love the Hitman games because the plots are completely mad at times, uh-huh. but the gameplay is just so much fun. And uh, the last one, the, the the last level of the second game baffles me. I can't. I still can't get my head around this. And I only completed it a few months back, but. You had this one, all of the all of the elite, all of the richest one percenters in the world. What they were doing was they were giving, I, I think, two hundred million to the owners of this island of Skengali, which was like in Scotland. It's basically Richard Branson's island, isn't it? Yeah, but but it's like a really shitty island too. It's like a, a, basically a rock in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You've got like a big castle on it. It's not exactly a very aesthetically pleasing island. And um, they give two hundred million of their own, two hundred billion of their own of their own money to go live on this wonderful like billionaire mansion, while the rest of the world goes into financial meltdown and money becomes worthless. Mm. And I thought, hang on, so you're giving money to people to look after you, even though money's going to now become worthless. Yeah, it's funny that you know what that sounds like to me. <laughs> madness gone. It sounds like madness. But it sounds like the proposal for the Super League. That's true. <laughs> so as a we beat, we beat the rich, we beat the rich people, we I beat mean, them. As a Manchester United fan, I knew the Glazers when they came in and they bought the club, and immediately we're thrust into debt, and we've never come out of it. But as a Manchester United fan, I had faith in the board that we would always stay true to the roots of the club, which was victory through virtue and earning it rather than splitting off into this elitist everyone gets the money so we can buy each other's players and jizz in each other's faces in the billion dollar changing rooms vibe and i'm glad everyone's pulled out and i'm glad that all of this the ceos of the clubs that wanted to get on this bandwagon have had their fingers burnt and they've all lost their jobs but at the same time, I'm probably from your perspective, Stu, as a Chelsea manager, you're probably quite proud of Roman Abramovich for leading I, what seems to be the backlash against it. I know, I know, Steve is not a football fan. No, yeah, I want to bluff um, this quickly and, because Steve and, doesn't care, and well, rightly so. Well, a lot of our viewers might not, but I, I think ultimately this this kind of comes into what we were kind of talking about earlier on. Yeah, so it's capitalism. And, 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 and it's boiled down thing. This was a load of rich people taking something 
from everybody. It's and obviously Robin Hooding, isn't it? Yeah, whether you're a football fan or not, football was started um, in China for a history lesson, but it really came into its modern shape in like the 1800s in England. It's grassroots. It was, it was, it was a load of poor people who'd finish a day of work and then have fun. You know, Don't and, kick and a pigskin around. And it's been bought out. The clubs have been bought out. Chelsea was was probably one of the first. I can't be bothered to do my research, but Chelsea was certainly was one the of the biggest high profile. The yeah, billionaire ownership. And for for these rich people to sign up and essentially grease their own pockets, which has already been happening in football for a long time, it's been getting more and more expensive. I mean, it's the thing, it's been if you getting... see um, Manchester United, like our turnover every year. We, let's say we spend between 60 and 100 million on player investment, which is not a lot in the recent transfer windows. But the Glazers are able to take out between 70 and 140 million dollars between them mm. every year to pay their other debts. Yeah. So they people buy these clubs, use them as a cash cow to pimp out money for them to sustain their other assets. And they're almost used as like a broken hedge fund that is just barely above the ground line now yeah and it was and it was yeah i mean chelsea were apparently it was roman abramovich chelsea owner um who was the first to kind of voice his concern he's a big he was the first fan. of the owners to say right yeah. like you say i'm a football fan as a this football fan this is not happening he's I also regret my decision he's he's also uh, his his dream has always been to win the um has always been to win the the Champions League. He's done it a couple of times once, I think, um, but he's not done it since. But you know, quickly because, like I said, we move away. We don't take a whole time talking football. But it was it was quite nice that actually the entire world almost came together and said, "No, you're not doing this." to these rich people who've all backed down and all of them have made the most pathetic apologies like that South Park apology. Do you remember? I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like they've all done like a picture of them lying in a field of bluebells, like debating going, I'm sorry. No, it's essentially what's happened is about 250 odd years ago, a load of Americans threw loads of tea into Boston Harbour and declared independence. And what we've now done is the British, a load of poor British people have gone, fuck you to a load of Americans and done the same thing. We've thrown their money back out and said, get out. It's just like, and we do, I think we do need to thank the celebrities in the game and the recently retired players that are now the voices of the game the mm. Rio Ferdinands the Gary Nevilles the Jamie Carragher's of the game oh, what, what? do you know what I've always mocked uh, I want to before we move on I want to just say that I've always mocked Jordan Henderson as a, as a bit of a bit no, of a I've always damp thought, squid. how the fuck um, did Jordan Henderson yeah. get to Sunderland let alone to be captain of one of the greatest you know, football teams of all time he, he was never going to be in the discussions of your know, lampard skulls gerard what have you no, exactly but after his actions i'm putting him in the discussion with the lampard gerards and skulls that's the thing and, to be. and jordan was always going to start for england at the euros but now i think if he is not vice captain it's a travesty yeah anyway, anyway. moving on from football <laughs> steve where do you want to take us next oh whew, time uh, talk, talk to us about stuff that Let's find out people to learn more about us, you know. Yeah, so let's talk about your recent internet habits. That's never a good idea with me. Um, (laughs) let's talk about your German orgies. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, at at the moment, um, 
I'm trying to figure out the best way to get qualified as a graphic designer without going to university or spending. You know lot. what the best way is? Go on. Um, what was the company I used for my social media diploma? Um, I fuck, I forgot their name. But basically, it's like 120 quid. Yeah. And you get like an industry recognized stamp that you can put on like your LinkedIn. Yeah. And I think, oh, Shore Academy. Sure, Academy, right, yeah. And they give you like a proper diploma. It took me like six weeks to complete. Um, and don't get me wrong, they make you pay a bit extra if you want like the physical copy, but you get like the digital copy to include on your curriculum for tie and all that sort of stuff. And it actually did teach me like, you know, all the shit I make for the podcast and all the, the yeah, things sure. I create in Photoshop and what all that nonsense is. Mm. Um, before lockdown, I didn't know any of that. And I went and did the course with Sure Academy and... I now know how to do it. And this is not an ad for them. This is a real human being that didn't know something and now learned something because of them. God say, have we got an endorsement deal and none of you told me and you're both pocketing it? <laughs> oh, mate, if we had a Shore Academy fucking thing, I wouldn't be sitting here in a two-bed flat in East London, mate. Okay, right. Just uh, I'd have a three-bed flat. <laughs> just before we carry on, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. You too can play Raid Shadow Legends. No, I'm joking. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, to be fair... Like, do you not watch those adverts on YouTube and go, you know, I'm going to download it and you download it and it's this absolute dog shit laggingness. Do you know what? I'm immune to advertising. Apart from from non-advertising advertising. advertising. So if I'm watching TV and some cunt's eating a McDonald's burger, like in the background of a film, I want a McDonald's burger. But if I'm sitting there trying to watch YouTube and, you know, my favourite YouTuber of the week decides to sell out and go, let me tell you about our sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. I think I'm not interested at all in downloading this. At all. Weird ones that do it, like the non-gamers. Like the other day, where was I? I was on some, like, fucking um cycling channel watching like long distance cycling in the states uh, and out of nowhere at the start they're like this video is sponsored by like fucking <laughs> i don't know like um oh manscaped <laughs> oh, oh yeah and i'm like fair enough you're gonna shave your legs if you're a road cyclist in the tour de france <laughs> but no one or their granny needs to shave their dick to go on a bike oh, i can i can beat that I could beat that. And it is Manscaped as well. There's a wonder, there's a wonderful, wonderful YouTube channel I watch called Kings and Generals. It's about history and stuff. And I'm watching it. And the and the episode I was watching was about the Seminole people of America, the Native American tribe, the Seminoles, wonderful people, noble people, proud people. About 10 minutes in, I'm I'm sort of half watching it. I'm on my phone and I'm half watching this video and he's talking about this proud I'm and noble seeing the event I've just late. gone to Kings yeah. and Generals and he's got the manscaped pants yeah. in his hand on the advert. <laughs> so he's talking about these proud and noble Native Americans he's and everyone knows what they've Charlemagne's gone through. how Charlemagne's empire fell on this video yeah. and he's fucking sniffing some boxer shorts. Yeah. And... <laughs> I'm watching it and he's like, oh, yes, and the Trail of Tears. And we all know the Trail of Tears. The Trail of Tears is a horrible time in American history. And he then goes, have you a need of manscaping needs? And I didn't realize until I heard him say, you too can shave your private parts. And I looked up and thought, what the, that's advertising gone wrong. You know, it would have been a better episode to do it on the Silk Road. Yes. That would have been absolutely perfect for his You too, you too can have the Silk Road. Manscaping didn't really appear in any of those videos you used to watch, did it, Steve? Um, no, 
Uh, oddly enough, um... I must admit, like, do you know when we were kids and like, the, there's that really famous German porn video in the gym with like a hundred people like banging each other in that gymnasium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what all the time? Yeah, yeah. For me, like, like, honestly, on a serious note, they are the hairiest people like going. And for me, like, back in the day, a good old fucking minge on a geezer on a bird didn't matter. Was what we wanted to see, wasn't it? Well, I tell you the thing is, is and this is, <laughs> you know, when I perk up, it's going to be something fucking, something absolutely depraved, yeah, bad, isn't it? You know, <laughs> but um, I, I grew up um, in my house growing up before the days of um, of, of Sky. You had like BSB Sky, and that would get you. You get a load of English channels, but you get a load of German ones, mm-hmm. and so you'd catch like an episode of the A Team in German or something, you know, or the Simpsons in German. But, the R Team. What's a hearty? <laughs> Yeah, it's called hair tea. Yeah, yeah, Mister T. Yeah, hair tea. <laughs> yeah, all Hannibal, etc. <laughs> you would get at night. You get a naughty movie on. Mm. Friday night, night you get like a naughty movie on, and they were all done by this company called Alpha France. I'm going to Google that. That's a, a brilliant company, and they had some beautiful women in there. Like, sort of, you know, you, you had like uh, Bridget Lahire and uh, mm. Marilyn Jess, beautiful, beautiful women, so, and they're always so fucking hairy. It's brilliant. So I was about to lead into this. So you know, um, the whole resurgence recently. I don't know if you know, with sort of like a lot of popular female musicians have gone through the motion recently of um, loving body hair again. Um, I remember I went to a gig of a soul sort of pop guitar player called Tom Mish and he had this lady Poppy Ajuda support him and I went to her Instagram because I was like she's she's like amazingly talented and her first photo was like her exposing her armpit hair and I was like all right cool we're leading on to something here and I'm thinking as I scroll along am I about to go into a French porn movie but <laughs> it is like there is something sort of enticing about a a member of the opposite sex that is not afraid to be hairy. Well, I don't, I don't, primal, I isn't it? It's primal. No, it is. I... Exactly. Does it, and, I mean, I'm not going to talk about my particular situation on the podcast because the missus will punch me in the face. <laughs> but I'm not too worried if the grass grows for a little while, especially during lockdown. And let's be honest, like, I've not got manscaped. I've not got these cock-forming pants that the man talking about Charlemagne's Empire Falling has. I am a man... I have a, some hairs, and they're going to stay where they are. Well, it's just, uh, Alpha movies. I, I'll be, yeah, Alpha, Alpha, Alpha France, the company's called. Alpha France, I've done that wrong. Yeah, Alpha <laughs> Stu is literally at the moment like just looking for a side fap. You know what? We said at the beginning, right, that we were going to sort of try and get to know each other, talk about our stuff. I think but the thing is, we this have, is better. through this our is depravity, better. we actually... Oh, my God, to tell you what, there's one on here... So the film is called Sorted by Popularity. <laughs> La Mogil Erotica. Quality. That? I don't know. There's one from 1970 called Sensuous Sorceress. I'm going to read you the IMDB of Sensuous Sorceress. A priest, Sven, and his wife, Anna, live in a lonely vicarage in northern Sweden. Anna has been suffering from nervous <laughs> trouble. With them lives her self-sacrificing friend, Hedvig. Self-sacrificing? What, is suicidal? <laughs> well, Hedvig was self-sacrificing in Harry Potter. Hedvig <laughs> is a complicated character. At first sight, she exposes dark sides. She has sworn herself. Yeah. 
to the devil by carving a bloody cross on her body. Bloody cross. Hedvig is successfully performing a lot of sorceries, several of them with a strong erotic meaning. Thus, she sneaks naked into the priest's bed during the night. Leaning over him, she kisses his body. Sven is moving uneasily in his sleep, but does not wake up. Carefully... She sits astride him. Is this the whole script? There is a night of lust. Anna finds herself. And I just want to point out that IMDB have a spelling mistake on this. Anna fins herself, they've written. Green fins or fingers? No, fins. They're trying to write fines, but they've missed the D. Uh, Anna I'm glad, finds she, I'm glad she finds herself. Soon entangled in a net of wickedness. It is surrounding her from all sides. Still, it is gliding away, always impalpable. There are cases of violent death declared natural, in spite of many question marks. There is a heavy atmosphere of fright, hatred, and eroticism in the beautiful vicarage. I should say this podcast is sponsored by Alpha France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dirty German pornos from the 70s. So, although it has an amazing synopsis, it only has two out of five stars. Whereas the advert on the website for Dettol antibacterial wipes has five stars. Well, have you asked me? So <clears throat> got no taste. According to IMDb, our internet movie database, the most popular Alpha France film is called One on Top of the Other, 1969. But um, what's that in French? Uh, they're not French. The company's called Alpha France, but the film's yeah. actually German. An unscrupulous doctor is accused of killing his asthmatic wife as part of an insurance <laughs> count. Oh, so Despite discovering that she has a doppelganger. Wait a minute, that doesn't see it's comma. The insurance has comma. Despite oh yeah, IMDb's fucking she has a doppelganger. Um, like grammar is shit. So that see that reads like he finds out she's got a doppelganger, then gets accused of killing his wife. Is the wife actually dead? Has anyone seen one on top of the other? Please tell me. It sounds like he just fucking can't stand her coffin. You know, right? Yeah, true. God damn that woman with that stupid asthma pump. <laughs> that <gasps> every fucking night, honestly, right? You go. I did that today with the kids in a singing lesson. I was like, right, we're going to breathe in for three and breathe out for five. I had to remind half the little bastards to breathe out again. I thought they were all going to die. <laughs> this is your learning about us, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do more of these episodes occasionally. Alpha we just sort of... can, can we do an Alpha France special episode? Oh, fuck yeah. So do you know you said it's called on, One on Top of the Other? In English, that just sounds a little bit like, okay, cool. In French, it's L'un sur l'autre. So that's why it sounds sexy in French. In English, it sounds like a Taylor Swift song. I think what we should do <laughs> is, is when, when lockdown is eased, the three of us should get together and do some kind of live stream of a Alpha France film <laughs> of, oh, you, of you watching us race no not that why that not won't go on i know we live in enlightened times we could put it but... on onlyfans.com forward slash right good fap <laughs> we could we could we could like start an only fans and okay, make so it really I want wholesome you to message me on twitter if you'd like us to do only fans but as Stu said to do some real cookie cutter vanilla shit. Yeah. Is there 
a big. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't really look into much because I'm very lazy in life. <laughs> but, uh, no, I am. I'm, I'm lazy as the man who designed a Japanese flag. That's how lazy I've gotten these days. But it's just, I am. Um, is there, is there, is there like a big porn podcast? You know. Yeah, there is. So there's a couple. There's one I listen to called Guys That We Fucked, <laughs> which is um, not porn stars. But it's two girls who talk really openly about like every sexual encounter they've got. And then they've got guests on over the years and blah, 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 blah. Um, and there's loads of porn stars that have jumped on the bandwagon um, and have gone into like different places in the States. So like they've gone into like BuzzFeed and they've like embarrassed the staff and interviewed them about porn. That's me just breaking open an Easter egg, don't worry. Yeah, so there's, there, there is quite a lot of it. But the one thing there isn't, which I think there should be, it's not track. a podcast that features the inside knowledge of the current sex scene on the internet. Well, goodbye, Easter egg for year until next year. So not not porn, but like we know we're talking about like, the OnlyFans and um, the Twitch streaming and things like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, because I think oh yes, anyone with any business acumen. And any self-awareness is well within their rights to be doing this sort of thing. But I think the best podcast currently would be somebody that used to do that and no longer does and wants to share the ins, the outs, the where's, the why's, the how's. I like Easter egg chocolate. It's nicer than normal chocolate. The thing I don't like about OnlyFans stuff is there's no story in it. No, I must admit. So the other day I was watching... um, a YouTuber who's also has only fans. I won't say her name because obviously if she did listen, I wouldn't want her to be mortified. But doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like they might just randomly stumble upon to it. And I'm a gentleman. I don't want to upset anybody. Um, but let's say I found online a video that was made by this person to send out to someone for like a sexy wank. And it's this girl who I think can't be much more than 21 and she's doing her absolute best to be sexy and to be enticing. And she's like, like, this banana can't be much bigger than four inches. And she can't handle it. And she's going, oh, so-and-so, here it's your birthday. And you want me to be sexy for you. And, oh, I want you to fuck me. And, oh, this banana. And then she, like, nearly pukes on it. And it's like, I understand that a lot People of people pay for this. want to jerk to you. <laughs> But if you're going to do it, hun, do it right. <laughs> and she is failing miserably. And some poor cunts paid like 50 quid for this video. And like good on her for like getting on the bandwagon and using her God-given right to express herself in any manner she deems fit. But practice before you preach. 50 quid, yeah. If I'm paying for I'm eating Easter egg chocolate, by the way. Um... And I'm not, this is not to say she's not sexy and she's oh, no, not no, no, no. what she's doing. This is to say that if you are going to be a professional in this environment, be a professional within the environment. Do not be a nubile beginner. <clears throat> when does the bubble burst, though? Because oh, I we, think quite soon, we're I think quite all, yeah. soon the regulators are going to drag it into the shit. We're, we're all old enough to remember a time when you had to work hard for that kind of thing. And like... I still think it's a fascinating topic. A taxi driver, and, and, said, sorry, a taxi driver said to me the other week about, about porn. He said, oh, I can remember when you had to earn that wank. Yeah. I don't I know mean, why I to earn who earn remembers wank. magazines? 
and, and you know what? Like, I know some people might be listening to this thinking smut, but we're actually having a genuinely interesting I think anything discussion. We talk about on this podcast is a genuine discussion, yeah. irrespective and of subject, is always going to be some form of creative hmm. passion. Now, I, I think like it has become easy because you can literally go on and you can drop your money, 50 quid, for somebody to fail to do what my one-and-a-half-year-old son can do, which is eat a banana. Like, at what point do we get, does this OnlyFans bubble fall through? And people realise, wait a minute, what the hell are we paying for? What are we doing when all of this content is readily available on your Google search bar? Well, the, the, one thing, we, the one that done it for me was, uh, what, what was that? I don't know the names of these, pe- these people. Um, Belle Delphine. That's the one. Yeah, her. Christmas, or was it New Year? I can't remember what it was. She put it was out that Christmas, yeah. Was like, everyone was like, finally, we can see her, Fanny. Finally, we can pull one off. And you got this sort of really sort of half-hearted kind of, you know, I mean, yeah, okay. And she bigs it up as like, it's going to be the best porn of the year. And it's her and her boyfriend meekly like, and you can tell like, fair enough. They're probably thinking we're doing this for the money, but neither of them want to be doing it. So they're not into it. And it's, it's almost like you've paid to go and see Shakespeare and you turn up. And rather than Peter Dinklage, you've got fucking Barney Rubble dribbling on the floor and coming his pants. Oh, Delphine and Shakespeare in one sentence. Jesus Christ. Well, we are but if you think about it, modern. Belle Delphine is the... Is it is Ophelia a Shakespeare character? She is. It has become a strange entertainment. And we, we mentioned kind of earlier on something that made me want to say that oh no it's when we started talking about alpha france it made me think that that nowadays compared to even when i was a younger man in my early 20s sex and sexuality is so much more free now than it was even five years ago oh yeah definitely so it's before lockdown it's becoming this weird kind of not weird like it's it's as natural as anything let's face it um, but it's becoming so normalised that Belle Delphine's videos are becoming like the Shakespeare of, of in the 1600s when his plays were being put on. People would they go are, and, and do I'm that sure, for fun. Like, Belle would love to be compared to William, but at the same time, I think people like Bella, I mean, f- fair enough, she's probably massively talented at a load of things, mm. but she's also fucking clever, and she's gone, you know what, I can be a millionaire if I sell these fucking perverted cunts my bath water, and yeah, I'm going to do it. And I've heard Belle Delphine. Does anybody ever listen to the Jack Mate podcast? Uh, or have you yeah, seen snippets? So Jack's a guy who was initially like a YouTuber that made his living out of insulting other YouTubers, and it was great. And then he signed a deal with Spotify, and the podcasts have become a little bit more structured. And they're a little bit more sort of real. And he has these guys on who are all his friends because they're all YouTubers. So he's had Belle Delphine. He's had another one called Lauren Alexis. Um, who, Lauren's really honest. Like She's like, I've had these situations before where someone's offered me money to do things. And I've gone, I'm not doing that because it will get onto the internet. What is that thing? Like, That's I the thing. Like, you, you, I mean, I, I've... I've seen interviews with these guys where they've been asked to piss on their own feet and send people a video. And they're like, I'm not doing that. 
for I, any money. I will. I think the, pay the most important thing for me is that these these girls or boys, whoever's doing it, because let's be honest, like everyone's got a passion. It doesn't matter what direction it goes in, whether we like boys, girls, or dogs or whatever. But the Please main thing dogs. is that these people, although they are doing this and we see them as exploiting themselves they're not exploiting themselves they're business people they have found a niche in the market and they are fucking filling it with their fist in their ass and they're winning but when does it fall out what the fist or so i think what will happen yeah we'll get to the stage where twitch have now banned certain buzzwords and they've banned cleavage and they've that's unbelievable and they're cracking down and they're not cracking down to stop these people from making money they're cracking down to protect these people who maybe are not not that they're not of sound mind but they're not of a mature enough mind to understand that they are being manipulated by their fans you know what sickens me that i imagine there is a raft well there is um do you remember do you remember catch catch me outside girl she came up yeah she came up on lad bible a couple of weeks ago saying that she made a million pounds within a week of turning 18 because she started her only fans and that that's despicable to me that there is there, that there is now a group of underage people who are literally thinking as soon as i hit 18 it's close yeah. off camera on that's money. the thing and that, that's not and you can tell when you see i mean like, like for instance um my sibling recently has had their mobile phone taken away at 13 because they are not yet sound of mind or coherent enough to understand the difference between being on tiktok with their friends and being groomed on tiktok so my Mm. dad and stepmom have taken the decision to say right your iphone is gone you now have a nokia phone that can text and call until you are able to delineate between exposing yourself and using the internet to communicate in a wholesome way with your friend group. And I think that's to a certain extent what the government are eventually going to do. They're going to say, all right, fair enough. We need to give these people a platform to be able to express themselves and freedom of speech and all these sorts of things. But at the same time, these people shouldn't be having to exploit themselves. And fair enough, they might initially go into the venture thinking, I'm going to exploit the system, but the system begins to take hold of these people. And like you say, Stu, when will it stop? I think eventually we will sadly probably have a situation in a country, most likely in the States, because it's got the larger population where one of these supposed simps or incels will act out of what they perceive to be injustice. And it will finally wake everyone up. We'll have a George moment, won't we? Well, I was going to say, do you do you think Elliot Rogers, that that was the one, wasn't it? Was he? Yes, yeah. yeah. And he had no reason to, because he wasn't a bad-looking guy. He was from a privileged background. He had a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, well, by the balls more or less, but he just couldn't get his hole. I, I was actually going to say, do you do you think that's potentially where this ends? Do you think this ends with? I don't want to think that, but I think everything that comes with hype eventually explodes. Kind of. I mean, you look at the underage. I mean, imagine you're you, Alex. You're a teacher of sorts with your yeah. stuff. You know. Um, imagine for a second, God forbid, you were a teacher of, say, I don't know, English or geography or something in a real mm-hmm. 
you know, God forbid, horrible thought. I know. I can't think. Of a, I can't think of a worse job, in my opinion, than teaching young people. <laughs> it can well, be buggers at times. Why, but I love um, when I teach someone something. So there we go. Anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah, that's that's different. You're teaching them something that's fun, but imagine teaching something not. But anyway, imagine you're you're a teacher at school and the careers advisor asking you what you want to do, and that person says to them they want to be a Twitch caster or an Instagrammer or whatever. Yeah, I want to be. I think a lot of the things now, like I've got kids in my classes, they're like, I want to be an influencer. Or I had a kid today where he was like, Oh, sir, have you got TikTok? And I was like, No, firstly, I'm an adult. And secondly, I've got self respect. And I thought, Hang on, have I crossed a line here? And I thought, You know, you know what? That's my opinion. I've given him my opinion. Then the guy's like, Well, I've got a thousand followers. And I'm like, All right, that's cool. My cat's got 4,000. You need to work harder. (laughs) And then I've think should i be saying this not that it's inappropriate to say this to a child but should we be even acknowledging this response or should we say okay well that's a great idea to do as a a hobby or a side these kids nowadays call it a side hustle don't they Side hustle yes but should we even be acknowledging the fact that somebody who could be eight or nine or ten has said when i'm 16 i want to exploit myself on the internet for money well, that's, that's just the way the world is, but it's... Um... But at the same time now, you can't say to them no, because you're, no. you're, you're seen to be um, not supporting their creativity and their personal development. Exactly, you know, it's... Um, again, it's, I'd, I'd hate to be a teacher for that exact reason, well, for a number of reasons, for, 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 for one of the reasons being that. Just because when I was at school, I mean, when I was at school, we had the careers advisor sort of spoke to us all. And ask us at 15 what we want to do with our lives. As if you bloody know what you want to do at 15. Come and the on. one kid that does know what they want to do. He gets bullied out of his arsehole. We beat that little yeah. bastard to death every day. They either get bullied or they get told by the career advisor, oh, no, I don't think it's for you, Timothy. And that kid loses belief in themselves and ends up like the rest of us. But this this career advisor, who's a strange Welsh fellow, he spoke to me and he was like, uh, he was like, uh, tell me, boy, oh, uh, what do you want to do when you leave school? I don't know, do I, you know? And it was like, well, what do you do uh, when you're not in school? I, I said, well, usually I just play video games. Kill rabbits. What, else? what do you do? He looked at me and he laughed when I said, oh, I play video games. And he was like, oh, boy, oh, I don't think you're ever going to make much of a living playing video games now. Now there's esports. So exactly. I think eventually we'll get to the stage where <clears throat> in 10 years' time, they're saying it to kids and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to be a fucking, I don't know, something weird on the internet that's like to do with virtual reality or they want to be like. I want to be a, a, a living garden gnome. Yeah. What do you think is going to be like the next thing that catches on? Do you think it's going to be like, like you say, like a living garden gnome or is it going to be something like. I don't even know what that is, but I can imagine somebody with that there. Would, I can imagine there'd be some rich pervert who would pay people to be living garden. What's this thing? There's a guy I watch online on YouTube who's got loads of fans um, called Cody Co. Who he, so he watches like the weirdest dark depths of the internet and TikTok and he sort of analyzes it and talks about it in like a really erudite fashion. And he like, he has a podcast with a friend, Noel. Um, and they talk about all these issues we're talking about, but from a perspective of someone who was already an influencer. Yeah. And he was watching a video about, um, yeah. So this woman, so this guy who had, who 
a YouTuber who they already had knowledge, who was a bit of an exploiter of other YouTubers to sort of make more money. And he'd get into relationships with these girls and sort of bring them on his little path. He released a video about um, my girlfriend thinks she's a dog and I love it. And it was I've this, seen this person. Yeah. So there's this girl in the States who genuinely believes there's probably loads of them. Like, like my little sister thought she was a cat for five years and now she knows she's not. Thank God. Was um, that because she was five years old at a time? Well, no, she was like eight. Right. Well, even still, you can let go of children. How old was this? That's girl? the thing. So this girl's in her late twenties, I think, or mid twenties. And she literally is around the house on all fours, like fucking with her tongue out, like ha, 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 like That's desperate cool. for attention. And he's got her on a lead. And like initially he made up this thing like, oh, I feel uncomfortable being outside of the house with her because when she's on the lead and she's on all fours and I'm having to take, like we go to dog parks and people come up to us and like, what are you doing? Um, but now I've come to terms with it. I really like that she's able to express herself. And you just know for a fact so Cody Googled it, and what do they have? Lo and behold, a fucking OnlyFans for Dog mm. Girl. Off to it. Oh, oh, yeah, that is good. <laughs> I was going to say, Alex, that sounded a little bit like somebody eating jelly that in an really old kung fu film. Anyway, so. Good Lord. We're going to attempt to do this again without going off onto a tangent, but we'll do like a little bit like a 15 minutes on me, 15 minutes on you, 15 minutes on you. Um, if you're listening to this tomorrow, which will be the 23rd of the 4th, 2021, or for you Americans, 4 21 our episode on Jackie Chan will be out with Playway Talk Red and his lovely partner in crime, Sophie. Um, make where play make where play so have a listen to that if you're listening to this and you want to know what we normally do or what our guest episodes and segments are like have a listen to that because they are the best example of friends of the channel that just love to come on and actually tell a right good tale rather than talk about masturbation and self-harm like we've been doing for the last hour and a half okay so i've been al he's been Stu. he's been steve you've been listening to a not too bad tale this evening with a right good tell. Goodbye. Goodbye.